so uh, this, this song was recorded in 1965, actually uh, had its beginnings in 19, I think, uh, 1989. No, 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 not, excuse me, 1959. I think they were the first recorded, not by the birds. Birds was 1960. I was five years old when that was recorded. And, and yet the guy had the, the narrow sunglasses. I think I had a pair of my glasses styled like that. I don't think it was all square, but at least it was rounded and thin and, and, and things like that. Uh, the song for the birds, it, it became real popular because during that time it was the Vietnam War. It was the Vietnam War, and, and the songs that were real popular in that time were songs about peace. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people just love to hear. And, and so that was kind of embraced as one of those songs of peace. Um, although Solomon did not write this song for that purpose, or write his psalm, uh, or his Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, for the purpose of peace. It's in there, the message is in there, but it wasn't for that. What we've been learning from Solomon is this, I'm still ringing. Does anybody, is that troubling anybody else? I'm still ringing up here. I, I really would like to, to do something about that, if anybody could, could correct that. I'm, I'm ringing. <laughs> I, so if, if we could do something, I, I think that's better. I think that's better. All right. You still hear me? Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, uh, Solomon wrote his, his book, and, and especially in those eight verses concerning life. He's saying this is life. He's laying it out for you. And, and the perspective he focuses on of time, oh, there's a time for everything in life. That God, and life under the sun. It, you know, there's a time for birth, a time for death. There's a, and last it comes up to a time of hate, time of, of, for love, a time for peace, a time for war. All that's described, you know, and everything in between. Time to embrace, a time not to embrace. All that's throughout. And it, it, is, it is Solomon actually saying what he's already mentioned before is life is a, a, a number of cycles, it begins, actually, through all the generations, you know, uh, birth and death. Everybody is going through the cycles of life. And, and his big complaint has been, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 9 of chapter 3, 9 through 15. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read for you right now. Uh, beginning verse 9, after the, the poem is done, he says, What do workers gain from, from their toil? He's asked that question before. What, what is it that we're gaining from our toil? And, and basically, Solomon's saying, what difference do you make? What difference does anybody make? No, no change is coming anywhere, and that's one of the, the, the problems that Solomon's been dealing with. Verse 10, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. Uh, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything does, uh, does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. God does it so people will fear him. Um, Solomon, I, I, I'm going to say 
maybe in a different way than I've been saying it, but the one who's writing this, well, we believe Solomon, he's in a fog. Uh, throughout, it just seems like Solomon is in a fog. He'll say something real profound and meaningful, and then he'll come around and ask a question or even make a statement that just seems like he's, in, he's lost. He, he cannot see clearly and, and the problem with that, he's, he's hindered from, from a right understanding of God. Plus, if we don't have a right understanding, we're, we also have that possibility of, of not responding correctly to God. I, I think one of the problems that Solomon is facing is he's lacking trust. He's lacking some trust. And, and that's a problem that, that, uh, that, that many of us see in, in even this world, even, even in us attending church. Uh, the trouble, there is trouble when, when people don't see God's whole story, when they're not perceiving God. Or, I should even put it this way, when we are not looking clearly at God, when we're not looking clearly at God, there, there, there's trouble for us. Now, there's two stages of frustration I, I especially see uh, in the way that, that Solomon is looking at things. We see the first one in, in the verses I just read, 9 through 15, but in 16 through 22 uh, is the second one. The first one, uh, Solomon actually says some things about God, his sovereignty, and so he is considering God in, in this thing of life. But it, beginning verse 16, it seems as though Solomon even steps aside and begins to look at the problems and the things of life without God. And, and so that's, that's the first two steps I want to take this morning. The final step is, is maybe the reality that you and I face. I, I do think there's a possibility that, that we as believers, even with all that we have, could be living with a hindered perspective of God. We could be walking in a fog. So that's, that's the direction I want to take us this morning. I want to see the two hindrances and then that final man we should be seeing it clearly so number one it's difficult to be excited about life if we cannot see what God is doing if we don't see clearly what God is doing and that's kind of Solomon's platform that he's building upon uh, he said man if I can't see what God's doing man, he's, he's saying some things that's just really contrary I believe Solomon throughout Ecclesiastes is pretty clear he, he's lacking joy you know what I mean the joy in life I believe a, a good and right relationship with God ought to be joyful. I, I, there ought to be a sense of joy, even, even being in a relationship with him. That's where we should be. But this fog that Solomon, in, I, that Solomon is in is, is a creation of Solomon's. I want to be clear about that. Solomon created his own fog. Well, how did he do that? Well, remember what we said. If you've been with us, it's been the foreign gods. The foreign gods. He's been building uh, places, high places where, where these gods could be worshipped. He's been doing it because he's married you know, some, some foreign ladies. And so he's embracing, or embracing, or he is, he's catering to, at least catering to, these foreign gods. And, he, and still, you know, he believes in the God of Israel. I don't think he walks away. He still makes statements throughout Ecclesiastes saying, I know that God is sovereign and everything. But we do know that he is, he is, instead of having just that one direct vertical look at God, he's had this horizontal look at God. He's examining the things of this world. What's going to be satisfying? What's going to bring meaning? Well, you know his conclusion, right? 
meaningless, meaningless, or vanity, vanity, all is vanity. All those conclusions. I want us to look at, uh, well, matter of fact, even before I go there, the, the truth is we, had, we sometimes had the same trouble. Solomon took his eyes off God. It was disobedience. It's pursuing the things of this world. And, and, and we, we could go into the same kind of fog. And it happens when God is no longer priority or he's not number one. And, and we bring in other things into our life. And, and, and we tend to, to treat those things as most important and as our focus. I, I believe you know, it, it is a form of idolatry that we do sometimes. We bring those things in. And when we do, I don't believe our vision is clear to seeing and being directed by God. Solomon is having that problem throughout. He does, he, he, basically in verse, uh, verse 10 he says, uh, that burden thing. God has laid a burden upon humanity. God has laid this burden upon him. Well, I wasn't real clear about that burden. It was already been stated. I think it, it comes with the things of the brokenness of this world, which I think is absolutely right. But here, with clarity, verses 11 through 13 kind of points out what that, uh, what that burden is all about. First, he says that phrase, which I think is one of the, the beautiful things that Solomon brings out. In, in verse 11, he says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Have you seen that printed in a, a, like a greeting card or something? He has, God has made everything beautiful in its time. It's, and it's true. Let's go back to the poem up above. Look, look at the things in there. Not everything, but you say, okay, there's birth, there's life. Oh, oh there's, that's, that's beautiful. There's laughing, there's dancing. There's, there's a time to gather. There's a time in embrace. There's a, there's a time for love. There's a time for peace. But even within it, you know, the opposite side, how much do we appreciate that time uh, to be able to, to love if we haven't experienced the time to hate? And, and to experience a, a time of peace if we didn't know what war meant. These are all the cycles that we're familiar with in life. And God has made everything beautiful in its time. Basically, Solomon is absolutely identifying, okay, God, you're sovereign. So, so where is it that this burden, where is it this, that this burden lies? The, the next phrase he says, that, that God has set eternity in our lives. Well, what does that mean? Well, God, the eternal God, has set eternity in our lives. And in one way, I think, well... Uh, Solomon definitely has this perspective of eternity, and, and he sees these cycles, but, but he also sees that time is limited. Anybody have problems with that? Time is limited? Well, just tell me, did you go on vacation this year? No one went on vacation this year. Uh, time is limited. You know, I have a week of vacation. It hits Friday. How do you feel? i got to go back home tomorrow. I wish I had another week. Things, time is limited. And, and everything through the poem that the birds sang, uh, is, is, everything's limited. There, it is limited time. And so, in part, there, there's a frustration, I think, is led by the question that follows. Is that I know that there is nothing better. No, excuse me. Verse, verse 11. Um, the last part, he says, yet no one can fathom. No one could even come into the place what God has done from beginning to end. 
Now, no can, a, can anybody really understand everything that God has done? Can, every, can you understand everything that he's doing? And that's the question that I believe is really troubling Solomon. He says, I don't know. He's out pursuing. Where's meaning? Well, God's not revealing it. And, and so he is frustrated. He is frustrated. That's the burden that definitely Solomon's feeling. He says, okay, God has made everything beautiful in this time. He's, he's laid uh, eternity in our hearts. And we don't understand everything that God is doing. I think even today we could say we don't understand everything that God is doing. We don't know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow or the day after or how everything's going to unfold. We don't know. We just don't know. We didn't know a number of things that, that have taken place this last year. We didn't know that was coming. We knew when it hit. Solomon lacks trust in what he cannot see and understand. Bottom line. What's Solomon's problem? He, he just is, is having a hard time trusting what he cannot see and cannot understand. And, and his frustrating conclusion, okay, so what do we do? Okay, well, you eat everything we do know. I could eat, I could drink, and I'd be satisfied with my work. He also throws, be happy, just be happy. And so Solomon's frustrated with that answer. Could, could you imagine? I mean, you even think, go before God. God, what do you want? Well, hey, I gave you food, eat. And, and there's drink, drink, and, and the work you need to do, be happy with that, and, and live life, just be happy. And that's the grand conclusion. And, and Solomon is not satisfied with that. What about the unknown? What about the unknown? That's, I, I believe that's driving Solomon, who's, who has this wisdom, is just driving him crazy. Again, he sees all this perspective while he also has pursued other gods. He's also pursued other gods. God's purpose is that we fear him. Verse 14. Yeah, he, he comes along and he makes it very clear. He says, uh, uh, I know that everything God does will endure forever. He, again, there's his sovereignty. Nothing could be added to it and nothing taken away from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Bottom line. What does God do? Well, he's created, he's provided and he's not letting you ever know every step of, uh, that he's, he's making. Uh, he, he's not letting, he didn't let Solomon know every step. I, I do believe he would have known more if he, had, if he was paying more careful, careful attention, right? I, he was, what did David know that Solomon doesn't know? Not much. Not much. What was available to David? The, the, the truth is, is, is just as fact, think about that fear. Well, what, what kind of fear is, is God or is being thought of being presented in, in how God is dealing with life? Well, there, there's the type of fear that comes from the bully that you will submit. You're, just, you're going to submit to me. Seeming, you know, that's, that's a, a matter of fact, maybe that might be Solomon's perspective. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to reveal, I'm, not, I'm just going to make you wonder, and, and out of your fear, you're going to submit to me. And, and some might think, well, yeah, that's right. But I think there's also that fear that comes from an awe of God. Just, just awe out of the fact that he is sovereign. And, and in awe of him because he's created. 
or even in awe of him because he is directing history. And, and with that one, I think there is a place, not just that submission. I think submission is there, yes. But I also believe it's that place where I come and I will trust him. If there's the things that I don't know, God still I'm going to trust you. See, I think that was, that was David. That was David. I mean, the things that he did went beyond understanding. I mean, that he didn't take Saul's life. Why not? I'm, I'm going to spare him because he is the Lord's anointed. Guess, guess where David had his eyes? It was upon God. It was, it was that vertical look. It wasn't everywhere else. Even, even the, those who were with him, why didn't you take his life? You see, David had that vertical look, but Solomon, I, I believe because his own choice of pursuing uh, other gods did not have the vertical look. And he, he was in a fog. He was absolutely in a fog. The second frustration that's actually laid out is that uh, life is absolutely depressing when we look at it without God. That, that's the point I want to make. But in 16 through 22, he refers to God's judgment in here, but listen to some of his conclusions. While he's looking at the world, here's some of his conclusions. This is a little harder. In verse 16, he says, I saw something uh, else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. Sol I'll just say, Solomon again had frustration with that. When? <laughs> it was a question. When's that going to happen? Verse 18, he says, I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have, have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. Also, all, all, excuse me, all go to the same place. All come from the same place. All come from dust. And to dust all return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. So I saw that there's nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? You see, he's still writing some questions and, and thoughts. Amongst those, he comes to a couple of conclusions. One is, man, this is a wicked world. This, it's a wicked world, and matter of fact, this world is run by wickedness. Even in the place where we believe things are made right, what does he say? In the place of judgment is what? Wickedness. In the place where there should be justice, wickedness. You know, the world is making decisions and moving forward. Have you ever felt that sense? It's just not fair. It's not fair. Have you ever said that? I, I think it's said often, I mean, those who get cancer, it's not fair. Why, why me? Uh, victims of violence, those, uh, the world is run by greed, even those in charge, deceitfulness. And, and listen, the, the thing in our hearts is we want justice. We want what's right. We, we want to be ruled what's by, by what's right. 
But, but that's absolutely God's rule. And, and Solomon says this so truthfully. Hey, that's God. At the end of all things, God is going to bring judges. He, judgment. He's going to bring justice. That's in God's hands. I think there's some frustration there because Solomon would go back to when. When is that going to happen? I mean, there's a time for everything else. He didn't say there's a time for God's judgment. It's coming. Absolutely, God's in control, God's in charge, and it's going to be coming. And in Solomon's eyes, I think he's weary because of the wickedness of this world. Second part of that, he, he, he begins to compare and say, we're just like the animals. Did you hear that? There's no difference between uh, us and the animals. No difference. And, and his comparison was this. Hey, the animals were made out of the dust of the earth, and we were made out of the dust of the earth. And that's absolutely correct. Yet, why did he forget some important points that came out of Genesis? You know, for, for instance, Genesis 1, when we're created, what did, he, what did God say? Hey, let us make man in our own image. There's some significance. Did he say that about the animals? No way. He did not. And, and in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, he says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, just like animals. But then it says, And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. He didn't say that about the animals. The, the, the life when it is, whether that, you know, I, I know that when we were originally created by God, his design is we were meant to be eternal. Right? If we've read through the early parts of Genesis, we were meant to be eternal. And so, in, in some ways, part of Solomon's frustration is, man, there's eternity set within us. All this is th that's happening in life, the cycles, and all, all I have to do is eat, drink, and, and find satisfaction. That's it? That's all? There's a, 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 fog over, a fog over Solomon. Solomon did not trust where he did not have answers. He just did not trust where he did not have answers. Because of Solomon's lack of trust, he failed to bring God pleasure as well. I believe that hindered any kind of worship of God. When, when, and, and again, I will say the bottom line was because he had his eyes focused in so many other directions. We could definitely be guilty of that. We could definitely be guilty of, it, guilty of that. Matter of fact, I want to come to this last conclusion. There's the frustrations that, that you read through there. And, and there's some wonderful pieces that I'll pull out and I'd like to share with you, but I, I kind of want to leave off that, that we're just like a bunch of animals and there's no difference because that's not true. There's a significance in the way that we're created. Solomon was in a fog. I, I believe that we have an opportunity not to be in a fog and, and so much different. Matter of fact, God has given us what we need to see and see clearly. A clear view of God is available through Jesus. I want you to think about what we have today. Let me take you back. Solomon, you know, Solomon was different than David. How is it that David didn't stray from God? How is it David wasn't in a fog throughout his life? Even when it came to his own sinfulness, he came to repentance. How is it that David, I believe that David respected God and believed the heritage that he lived that, that God delivered his people, that, that God helped him through conquest and established the kingdom that he had. And, and David didn't take his focus off of the one who did it all. 
Solomon did. That's the difference between the two. Now, there's a lot of things around us that could take our, uh, distract us. Uh, there are times we wonder what God is doing. Isn't that right? H- have you just, God, what are you doing? It might be something personal in your life. Why is this happening? Have you ever asked that question? Why is this happening now? We were, we were with uh, my son Brady over the weekend. And his son, so I'm going to throw his cell phone into the pool. And, and uh, Brady, Brady kind of made a, a comment, why, why now? You know, why, this is not a good time, basically, is all he said. Have you ever had that happen? Like, like man, we're, we're, everything's tight right now, and all of a sudden the vehicle breaks down, or something comes due, or, you know, financially it happens all the time. But what about sickness? Whenever is there a good time for sickness or, or, or tragedy? When, when is it? You know, so we often wonder the same thing. What, God, what are you doing? Maybe we even ask that. There are times of trouble, and, and we just don't know what's coming. Matter of fact, we can't guarantee what's happening this week. We hope it's Jesus. <laughs> are you ready? I hope it's Jesus. If any, anything spectacular happened, let it be Jesus. Let it be Jesus. But we don't know what's going to happen in this week. We just don't. There's no guarantees. Maybe that's part of Solomon's frustration. It shouldn't be yours. It really shouldn't be yours. And I, I do believe it's because of Jesus. Now, David had, you know, the, the deliverance from Egypt and other things he held on to. We get to hold on to the resurrection of Jesus. We get to hold on to the resurrection of Jesus. My Savior lives. What difference does that make? The world. Listen, uh, Timothy Keller wrote this in uh, the guys' group on Tuesday morning. We were reading and just hit this last week. He said, this is how the first hearers felt when heard reports of the resurrection. That, uh, what difference does it make? It changed their world. Here's what he said. They knew that, it was, that if it was true, it meant we can't live our lives any way we want. We can't. It also means we don't have to be afraid of anything. We don't have to be afraid of... Did you hear that? We don't have to be afraid of anything. Anything. <laughs> if Jesus rose from the dead, we don't have to be afraid of anything. Uh, we, we don't have to be afraid of Roman swords. We don't have to be afraid of cancer. Nothing. Nothing. We don't have to be afraid of death. Why? Because of the resurrection. And he laid out a promise for those who have embraced Jesus as their Savior, been like him in his death. He said, you will be like him in his... Okay, let's do that again. This time we'll all say it together. If we're like him in his death, we'll be like him in his... One more time. All right, the word is resurrection, okay? If we're like him in his death, we're going to be like him in his... Oh, man. And, and we shouldn't be shy about shouting that out. That is, that is my foundation for living my life. Is Jesus lives. As Jesus lives. Now listen, listen. But, but in the meantime, in the team, where, where's your focus? If, if Jesus rose from the dead, our eyes ought to be fixed in one direction. And the distractions, which are many, 
should not be out here. We shouldn't allow the distractions of life, the things that trouble us. Now, we could pray, and, and man, does it trouble us? Yeah, if I'm facing sickness, you bet there's going to be hurt. But may my eyes not be taken off of him. Are you with me? Now, you know, I, I could see times in my life where I've faced troubles, and, and I've tried to deal with it. That was my horizontal, Solomon, foggy look at God. Somewhere along the line, I got my head straight and saying, no, man, why hadn't I prayed about this? Have you been there? And, and that should have been number one. I should have just brought this before God and said, God, listen, here's some trouble I face. I'm laying in your hands. I'm going to continue on. I'm going I'm to face the next day. And the next day, if it's a big trouble, hey, just one day at a time, right? There's sense in that, in that statement. And, and that one day at a time comes in trusting God. I really believe that seems to be Solomon's big problem. There's questions he couldn't answer, and therefore he had trouble trusting God. He's done all these wonderful things in life. He's given us things that, things that you've already seen and, and been a part of. And he has your future. Can you trust him? Can you trust him? Or are you living in a fog? Are you living in a fog? Do you know the reality because Jesus rose from the dead? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, he is our reason to have confidence in how we live our lives. Lord, it is about his resurrection. That, Lord, he suffered and died upon the cross, that cruel death. But, Father, the rejoicing that took place three days afterwards, and continues on today in the lives of those who realize what you've done through Jesus, that this thing of time, the, the limited amount of time, Lord, that limit has been removed. And Lord, we have eternity before us because of Jesus. And he is our strength in the troubles we face, in the hurts and the hardships that we go through. God, you are good. You are good, you are holy, you are just, and our confidence, Lord, our confidence is in you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.